When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you're ready to transform your life and claim the potential inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration and transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, and an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world, and there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn simple methods you can use to transform your life and share the stories of practitioners who are doing the work so that you feel inspired to go and practice because that's the vital point. So welcome to this episode. This is the end of season five, the season finale, and what an incredible season it's been. There's been a lot of growth, a lot of learning on my part. This is the first season that was not broadcast on Instagram, launched the YouTube channel, expanded the audio platform, and not only that, but just so many incredible guests and incredible practices that were offered. I really leaned into wanting to offer you practices that you can try, that you can access and come back to and use that will inspire you and um, spark some sort of you know desire for more, more practice, like, oh, that felt good. I want to learn more about that. I want to do more of it. And, you know, things that can just help you on your journey. And here we are at the season finale, as is tradition around here. Um, this episode will be a Q&A from the audience. I'd also like to give you one of my favorite breathwork practices so that you have something that you can do. And um, we're not going to really be taking a break. I am already knee deep in season six. Uh, I think we've got five or six episodes already recorded. So yeah, um, the, the, the train's just going to keep on rolling. So really excited about that. First one was about um, breathwork and how um, I view breathwork. The, the question actually was, Hey, I have a client that's interested in breath work. Um, what episodes of the podcast should I direct him to, to learn more about breath work? And I was like, wow, that's such a great question. I want to give you some more context about how I view breath work and how I teach breath work. Because when you say breath work, it's such a umbrella term these days, you know, it's so broad. It's like saying I exercise. Well, what does that mean? You lift weights, you do Pilates, you run, you're doing CrossFit. You know, what does that mean, right? And so saying that I practice breath work is kind of like that. So I categorize breath work. I break it down into three main categories, and these are not black and white. There's obviously some... Uh, these, these categories kind of blend together somewhat in certain contexts. But the first type of breath work are awareness practices. Mindfulness, somatic awareness, awareness of the breath. As we begin to practice these awareness um, types of breathing, we become more in tune with how the breath is behaving. Are there dysfunctions? Are we breathing from the mouth? Are we breathing really shallow in the chest? 
Um, and what's happening in the body? You know, mindfulness will start to key us into our thoughts. Somatic awareness will start to key us into the body. And I really feel like awareness practices are the foundation, something that everyone should practice. Mindfulness is such a helpful tool to have uh, in our tool belt of resources. It's something that I've been practicing for 20 years and has completely transformed my life. The second type of breath work I would call functional breathing. You could also call them uh, state shifting breath work, but breathing in an intentional way to create different changes in the nervous system. Now the nervous system to oversimplify it, there's a parasympathetic, which is responsible for our rest, relaxation, digest, and a sympathetic, our fight or flight. And so when we're talking about creating changes to the nervous system, in general, most of the time, uh, we want to create a, a downward regulation in the nervous system. We want more calm. We want relaxation. But there's also types of breathing that are upregulating, that are helping us mobilize the sympathetic nervous system as well. Now, I get this question a lot. Why would I want to mobilize that sympathetic nervous system? Wouldn't I want to stay away from the fight or flight? And the answer is no. Um, we need that sympathetic nervous system. We need it for healthy, robust, resilient life. You know, we need to be able to handle healthy amounts of stress. Uh, we utilize the sympathetic nervous system in play, in work, uh, talking in front of people, all different things. And I'm going to talk more about that healthy amount of stress a little bit later when we get to an, the second question. When we are breathing in a way that is creating healthy amounts of stress, we're actually improving the resilience of the nervous system. And a healthy nervous system is one that can shift between states, that can move and flow between these different areas, these different amounts of what's referred to as arousal in the nervous system and not get stuck in one or the other. We wanna be resilient. We wanna be able to handle that sympathetic activation and then come back into the parasympathetic. The third type of breath work is what I would call transformational breath work, or you could call it holotropic breath work in the sense that holotropic means moving towards wholeness and is juxtaposed with the heliotropic state Heliotropic being sort of our daily normal, I have to go to work, I have to talk to my boss, I have to drive, I have to go to the grocery store type of um, a life. Holotropic being the moving towards wholeness, the transpersonal. But breathing in a way that's creating an expanded state of consciousness so that we can connect to our inner intelligence, to our purpose, so that we can let go of emotional or somatic um, blocks or energy. Those are the three types of breath work. And while I started practicing breath work with some specific ideas about, I would say tunnel almost, about um, 
the the uh, the transformational breath work especially. And I was practicing mindfulness, but I didn't necessarily think of that as breath work. Over time, and especially right now where I'm at in terms of the clients that I'm working with, um, how I'm teaching, I've really come to understand how important all three of these types of breath work are and, and how they work in unison. So that's breath work in a nutshell. Now, the next question came um, from Caesar from Cultivating Wisdom. He's going to be on the podcast later this week. I'm really excited about that. And if you guys aren't aware of Cultivating Wisdom, check them out on Instagram. It's a really great brand with a really important mission. But Caesar asked, um, what are the differences between ice baths and cold showers? When we're talking about cold exposure, when we're talking about uh, ice baths or cold, uh, cold showers, I think there's uh, a difference in our intention. See, a lot of people will talk about um, cold exposure, the benefits of cold exposure from a health perspective. Um, Andrew Huberman is a great resource if, if that's what you're interested in. For myself and the way that I utilize cold exposure, the practice for me is more about building resilience. When I started doing cold exposure, my whole idea of it was, well, I'm going to have to be doing things that I don't want to do, but I don't have a choice about. I was going through my divorce. There were already lawyers involved. I was not happy about any of that. So if I had had the choice, I would have just said, screw this. I don't want to deal with it. Right. But I didn't have that choice. And so the idea was if I am practicing something uncomfortable voluntarily, it's going to make the involuntary things that are uncomfortable easier to deal with. And this kind of goes back to like a real stoic. Uh, idea, a real stoic philosophy of, you know, just the truth that the, you know, un eventually we're going to come to some uncomfortable stuff in life. We don't have a choice in, you know, to stay away from stress forever. Eventually something that sucks is going to happen that we don't have control over. And that one of the only ways to help us deal with that is by voluntarily exposing ourselves to stress, by voluntarily practicing it. So for me, the cold exposure is a practice of resilience. There's this idea, this concept of, it's called hormesis, which is a healthy amount of stress. Stress is a spectrum. There's not enough stress. There's too much stress. And in the middle is just the amount, right amount of stress in terms of growth, in terms of building resilience. And uh, hormesis is what this concept is called. And doing cold exposure can be a wonderful way of building that resilience. The other thing that I've noticed in my own work and working with clients in terms of cold exposure is that the observation that oftentimes we're not approaching cold exposure in a very healthy way. We're approaching it in this very um, machismo, macho way of like trying to tough it out and trying to do the most and um, like being this over masculine, energetic experience. 
what happens when we encounter uh, this energy, we are getting overwhelmed. Our system is being overwhelmed, right? We're not doing something to a healthy amount of stress. We're taking it a step further. And what happens during that process is either we say, F that and get out of the, the, the cold plunge, get out of the cold shower. We move away from it. We, we flight or we shut down. We start to dissociate. Last year I was doing a retreat where I was, uh, facilitating, uh, ice bath experience for all the retreat participants. And there was a guy there that, uh, did jujitsu ex-military and, uh, we were talking about cold plunging and I said, so, you know, how long do you usually stay in for? And he was like, oh, like eight to 10 minutes. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot. We did the process together and most of the other participants were, you know, new to the practice. So I said, let's stay in for two minutes. And if you feel okay, after two minutes, we'll stay in for one more minute, but you can get out whenever you want. And I brought presence and mindfulness and groundedness to the practice before they got in. We, you know, smudged them. We use sound and I talked them through, you know, I was there with them kind of co-regulating and encouraging them to stay with the experience, not to dissociate, not to go away. Cause that's often what happens when we are getting into the cold. And when it came time for this gentleman to do his ice bath, um, you know, I, I did that same process with him and I stayed with him and he stayed in for about, I think seven minutes. And when he got out, what he said was, wow, that was so much different than being at the jujitsu gym with these guys that are like, man up, do more. And it was a transformative experience for him. That's what I want to bring to my own practice. That's what I want to bring to my work with clients around cold exposure is something that is you're developing this resistance. You're developing the ability to sit with a healthy amount of discomfort. And this is not only helpful in terms of life, but specifically within the context of working with plant medicine, working with psychedelics, you know, you sit with psychedelics long enough and eventually something uncomfortable is going to come up. And, you know, especially if it's a strong psychedelic where you're on that roller coaster, that ride for hours, flight is not the best option. It can actually make the experience much worse. So how are you going to be able to sit with it? How are you going to be able to stay in presence without shutting down? And so I don't, I don't believe in training for that dissociation. Now, in terms of the differences between the cold showers and the ice baths, well, cold showers are a great place to start. Maybe the thought of getting into an ice bath for two minutes or five minutes or whatever, it's kind of overwhelming. You don't have to start with this extreme thing. You could start with 10 seconds of cold water at the end of your shower. 
20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. And you're letting your nervous system know, wow, this is actually okay. Because immediately what starts to happen when you talk about or you think about doing cold exposure is there's something within you that will recoil. That's like, no, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to um, and said, yeah, I do cold exposure. And they're like, I could never do that. Or no, you know, just immediately shut down immediately. No. Well, when we do this thing that seems so overwhelming and uncomfortable and we do it, it's amazing. It's amazing to our, you know, our nervous system, to our mind. Like, yes, I did that. Well, if, the, if you did this thing that was so overwhelming to the mind and you did it easily and it wasn't like this big deal, what other places could that be happening in your life? You know, what other things could you do that you don't think that you're capable of? So the, the cold exposure is such an amazing practice. I feel like I could do a whole episode just talking about this topic of resilience and, you know, becoming uh, more adaptable and resilient in your nervous system and the effects that that have within working with psychedelics, within coming into challenge in your life. But I want to move on. The third question that I got was, how do I feel about the Wim Hof method? And specifically, it was like, there was a comment of like, you know, you talk about breath work a lot, and I don't think you've had any Wim Hof person on the podcast. And I'm not sure that that's entirely true. Um, maybe haven't had someone that like strictly only does Wim Hof. Um, we definitely have had some people that practice it. But what are my thoughts on the Wim Hof method? And that is a complicated topic. <laughs> it's a complicated topic because I've changed the way that I feel about it over time. Let me start by saying that I think the Wim Hof method is incredible. It's helped me quite a bit. I know it's helped a lot of other people. I call it the gateway drug of breathwork because it's how a lot of people discover breath work, not to mention the cold exposure aspect of it, right? When I first started practicing cold exposure, the Wim Hof breathing came right behind it. And I got curious about other types of breathing. I started to take that Wim Hof practice and make it longer extend it, add music that helped me go deeper into the experience. And so in a way that Wim Hof breathing helped me get into transformational breath work, which is like the main practice that I offer now through neurodynamic breath work and um, my own breath work for transformation signature session. On the other hand, I don't necessarily recommend Wim Hof breathing for everyone. And there's a reason I don't talk about it too much 
on the podcast. And that's because I don't think that it's for everyone. And let me give you some more context to that. We talked earlier about that hormesis, that healthy amount of stress. Well, I think what's happening with a lot of people, especially that have never done any type of breath work or any type of practices to regulate their nervous system, it's appealing. It's appealing to a lot of people, you know, the capacity or the ability to, you know, get high on your own supply, get high through breath work. Um, yeah, that's, that's appealing to a lot of people and I get it. I was there. It was appealing to me, you know, but our nervous system in terms of having that sympathetic and that parasympathetic, the sympathetic is like the gas pedal and the parasympathetic is like the brake. And there's something that happens to some people, including myself, especially when they start practicing breath work and they're only doing upregulating practices like uh, fast breathing, Wim Hof style breath work. Okay. And it's almost like they're over practicing with the gas pedal and they don't have the resources or the practice around that break. And this can definitely be exacerbated if there is existing trauma, um, improper technique of the breathing or other dysfunctional breathing patterns that are already there. What I've shifted to over time is like, yeah, those fast breathing um, practices are great. I mean, I do them myself. I coach people through that in my coaching containers and in my breathwork for transformation, uh, sessions. But I also believe in a more holistic approach where I'm taking clients through that entire spectrum of breathwork. I'm teaching them awareness practices and I'm teaching them down regulating resources as well so that it balances out all that upregulating that's happening with the fast breathing so that the nervous system is getting used to what it feels like to um, expand into that parasympathetic and so that there's resources in case things start to get more stuck and anxious and activated so that the person can come back down into that safety. And you might be saying, well, actually, I mean, when I do Wim Hof breath work, it's pretty relaxing. Yeah, it's, it's great. Part of that relaxation is going up into that activated state of sympathetic arousal and then coming back down into the parasympathetic state. That's what creates that relaxation. And if that's where you're at, that's great. But what I'm saying is that sometimes um, when we are sort of overusing that gas, um, it can get stuck. We can kind of get the nervous system used to being in that state too much. And especially when we're talking about learning something from YouTube um, or, you know, not having the direct feedback from a coach, you know, oftentimes what I see is people breathing up in the chest too much, especially as they breathe faster and faster. If they're breathing slow, it might be in the diaphragm. 
But when that speed increases because they don't have the technique, the technique suffers and they start to breathe more into the chest, more of a hyperventilating breath. Or they're just breathing too fast in general, like they don't need to breathe that fast. So these things kind of exacerbate that they're breathing out too forcefully rather than focusing on letting the breath go. So there's a difference between and so when you're doing fast breathing practices, focus on letting the breath go rather than forcefully pushing the air out. And this is where working with a coach can be really helpful. So yeah, that's my complicated relationship with uh, Wim Hof breathwork. Okay. So to close out this uh, episode, since we've been talking about the contrast between the nervous regulating breath work, what I would call slow breath work, and uh, the faster Wim Hof style breath work. I'd like to offer one of my favorite types of breathing. This is uh, heart coherence, heart resonance breathing. There's lots of different names for it. If you're familiar with the book Breath by James Nestor, um, he talks about this breath being the optimal way for us to breathe. And it's basically slowing the breath down to about six breaths per minute, inhaling for five seconds, exhaling for five seconds. We want to breathe in through the nose at the very least. And depending on where you're at in your practice, you can exhale through the mouth. You can exhale through the nose if it feels right. What happens a lot of the time when we start this practice, and I do this practice daily, and it actually is happens to me too for the first few breaths, is we feel like we need to expand as much as possible um, to be able to breathe in for five seconds and out for five seconds. As we continue the practice, it's more about the speed of our inhale and our exhale, rather than trying to expand the lungs as much as possible so that we can get enough air to exhale for five seconds. It's an important distinction. And it actually helps to deepen the practice and helps to um, regulate the nervous system. So let's go ahead and practice some together and just find a nice place to sit down. You can lay down if you'd like. We're going to breathe in through the nose. And try breathing out through the nose, but you can breathe out through the mouth. In for five seconds, out for five seconds. So just getting ready. Breathing in. and out. Breathing in, two, three, four, five, out, two, three, four, five. In, two, three, four, five, out, two, three, four, five. In, 
out. In. Out. In. Two. Three. Four. Five. Out. Two. Three. Four. Five. In. Two. Three. Four. Five. Out. Two. Three. Four. Five. Focus on starting that breath deep in the belly, diaphragm expanding, slow exhales. If this is too hard to breathe in and out for five, find a pocket that works for you by equal amounts of Inhale and exhale. Focusing on the softness of your breath, your heartbeat, general awareness. Practice is going to slow the heart rate down, lower blood pressure, helps me sleep. Out, in, out, in, two, three, four, five, out, two, three, four, five, in, two, Three, four, five, out, two, three, four, five, in. Out. In. In. Out. In. In out. In. 
One more time, breathing in and out. And just noticing how you feel, taking a moment, bringing some curiosity into the body. Now it's just five minutes, but how do you feel? Feel the same? Notice any changes? And so I would recommend starting this practice. You can just do five minutes like that every day. I like to practice this at night before I go to bed. I do 30 minutes and it's been really transformative to my nervous system. It's really helped with uh, tachycardia that I was getting. And so I hope that you enjoy this practice as well. Send me a message if uh, you start it and it's as transformative for you as it was for me in terms of helping me regulate my nervous system. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope you're enjoying the podcast in general. If you are, I would love it if you left a comment, left a review, whatever platform you're using, um, subscribe to us there. Uh, leave a review, share it, support the podcast in that way. I am going to be doing more of these solo casts uh, as we get into season six. I did two episodes this season. My goal for next season is three. So if there are other topics you'd like to know about or other questions, please uh, reach out, send me a comment, question, inquiry. Love to hear from you. So until next time, my friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vital Point Podcast, and I hope it inspired you to practice. Maybe take a cold shower or... Um, Hopefully start doing the heart coherence breathing because the vital point is to practice. You know, these methods, these techniques don't work themselves. We can read about them. We can listen to podcasts, but until we apply them, there's not really going to be much change. So until next time, keep practicing because that's the vital point.